to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am thrilled to be in conversation with my next guest, who has a passion for storytelling and a love for cinema that's translated into a profound career in film editing. From his early fascination with indie cinema to shaping cultural phenomena and crafting captivating documentaries, his contributions have spanned different facets of the film industry. Please welcome my guest, Chris Guido. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time and um, see how that was a seamless transition. Uh, <laughs> before we delve into the the main topics of today's conversation, I at least want to start off by, you know, at the beginning, um, giving you a bit of the space to, you know, really, you know, introduce yourself, but also some of those early experiences. I see early 90s and indie yeah. film, things of that nature. <laughs> and we have yeah. some overlap there. So I, I want to start there. Yeah. Uh, so hi, I'm I'm Chris Guido. I'm a freelance video editor. I've been um, editing since I graduated college in '99, and I've been on my own um, mid-August will be 15 years uh, since I hung out my shingle. So I've been going. I've been a going concern for 15 years, um, and can do. Uh, you know, I think I'm pretty versatile. I can cut you a 60 second or 30 second or 15 second promo, or I've edited uh, three feature length documentaries. Um, so some corporate creative to, you know, keep the wolf from the door. And then if a passion project rolls through, I can I can take that uh, as well. So that's been a, a been a good setup so far. That's kind of what I wanted to have happen. And, and luckily it has thus far. And uh, yeah, I got got into uh, film by just wearing out my parents blockbuster card in the 90s. I mean, it's just cr crazy to think about, you know, Frank could be like, uh, yeah, you heard about that. Do the right thing movie, too. Let's watch that tonight. Um Miller's Crossing. I remember I watched that when my parents were out to dinner. I just watched it myself. My dad came home and said, you got to watch this Miller's Crossing. Just watched it a second time um, with him. I uh, Obviously, Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, a bunch of guys got together. I mean, just I, I think that's a couple years span there yeah. um, of just just great things coming by. Uh, who, who wouldn't want to be a filmmaker after you see, you know, Roger and me and then Hoop Dreams? I mean, it, just, it was just so great. That uh, I just kind of fell in love with it, and 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 always wanted to do documentary, and wasn't wasn't sure when you'd be able to, when I'd be able to, and and have thus have have been able to, which is exciting. That's that's great. Um, you know, you're 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 a few years older than me, but we're in that same sort of like group, and uh, you know, I, I remember at one point uh, I was really intent on doing like independent film. I was really in it. And um, I always remark back, this is this is high school and I have one course in college um, around like film theory. And in high school, we we made a few like short films and I look back at myself like I, I graduated from like high school in like 03. So but one in in 99. Right. And okay. it was a lot of me and every other like film jerk floating around like, hey, man, you watched a Kevin Smith movie? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a friend and I saw clerks on the big screen. We're like, this is awesome. <laughs> and um, but and, and I think the, the the key thing that got me and 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 I and I owe a lot, I think, to sort of watching his trajectory over the years. And one of the reasons I started podcasting, right, um, was I remember watching his uh, being a fan of the movies and then watching um, you know, some of his like talks in college and evening with Kevin Smith, that stuff. And I was just like trying to glean as much as I could and just having sort of that desire. But I don't know if I had enough access to it. It's not a lot of just 
at least at that time when I was at my peak of it, people just floating around that had cameras or had desire, or had the writing chops. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it was still, it was still film. And it, it's not like we all were walking around with these great cameras and uh, inexpensive editing systems. It was still tough, you know, yeah. it's, it's a bit, a bit easier now. Do, do you remember sort of a, Seminole is always a weird word. Do you remember one of the more influential movies that you you remember watching as a kid? You touched on a few, but is there that that one that you remember watching as a kid? And you're like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. that blockbuster card up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's hard not to say do the right thing. That was just so everything about it was just so amazing. I mean, even even the direct to camera characters talking, I was like, what is that? How you you're allowed to do that? Um, and just the the characters were so great and the the uh i thought everything the scenery the casting uh it was just you, you and, and the message is still today unfortunately still as uh important today um so that that was a, that was a very big one that i i was getting every anybody i could to watch it with me uh at the time i should have had you come down um i did a a film revival series a screening series and it was a black cinema series and we did uh, three movies. Um, one was the documentary. It was, uh, you know, Summer of Soul. And then we did two oh, right. movies, pretty much sort of the, you know, most recent pinnacle and the earlier pinnacle. We had Black Klansmen and then followed by Do the Right oh. Thing. Oh, wow. And Do the Right Thing was just like, look, man, this is some of y'all, y'all don't leave out of here like, look. I don't know about this unity now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just pointing out these sort of weird microaggressions that still, or even like uh, more overt aggressions that still are there. But I think that's why a movie like that is is so powerful 34, 35 years later. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, you can still watch it today and it would be feel as fresh as when it came out. Absolutely. Yeah, your film series sounded amazing. Yeah, uh, um, you know, I'll I'll make sure to invite you down because I got I got to have people who know some things. I'm I'm an organizer, you know. I get uh, to have a conversation. I'm an organizer, but I have people that have the chops and uh, they know their stuff. I mean, when you when I'm reading over your bio, it's like indie films. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> so you you work with a number of like you know promos and and, and with for well known networks, Paramount Plus, right. Disney, right. Um, right. what creative strategies do you, like you utilize in sort of your relationship and working with them? Like how does like sort of your approach and how you go about like your work align with, you know, what their vision is ultimately? Yeah, I, um, you know, it's interesting being an editor. I mean, you really can't say that I have a style. I just kind of have it, um, uh, be dictated by the, the footage or the, or the client and, uh, the tone of what they want and uh, things like that so i'm um i'm mostly just trying to to, to serve the footage uh, promos is really cool because i think um i think the audience knows that we're we're pulling out all the stops i mean we're we're coming just just up to the line of, of lying to them um but i think that everyone knows is uh, media savvy enough to say they're they're trying their damn just to make me watch this thing um so you know you just you just want to if you only have 30 or 60 seconds it's kind of an interesting you know, you have to use some economy to have a little surprise, a little something that don't don't just you want it to look exciting and tell them when it's on, but you also want to give them something else to hang on to. Like, did I just see that? That was that was surprising. That was shocking. Um, it, you know, and just an interesting juxtaposition. Some some little bit of uh, uh, something to hang your hat on when you when you've watched this thirty seconds go by. 
Um, so that's, that's what I, that's what I try to do for the most part when I can. So how close is like sort of the, the promo side of things to doing a, a, a movie trailer for sake of argument or like a TV trailer? Mm-hmm. The reason I ask that is, you know, sometimes people complain they're giving a the whole movie away. And then other times it's just like, I don't know what's happening in this movie. I don't know if I want to see it. Yeah, there, there's a there's definitely a, a continuum because um, I don't know if you remember those those Mad Men promos were always funny when it was just seven seven lines in a row that did not make any sense together. Um, that there was really no narrative or anything. It was just uh, that they must have had a strict order, like absolutely no teasers of any kind. Um, I think the promo, you know, it, it should be pretty similar to a movie trailer. I mean, it's just even even more condensed, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a balance of what what you want to achieve and and how much you want to give away. To, does does giving it away, does giving something a little away get get more people in front of it? Does that does that serve you getting the audience, or should you keep it as as teasy <laughs> as po- that? There's there's a value in being as teasy as possible and just um, hinting at you know you're gonna want to see this for some strange reason that is is uh, cannot really be pinpointed. Um, uh, yeah. Let's go. Really nailed down. So, so when you when you go into it, let's say, because I, I want I want to get like sort of like setting the stage to the degree in which you can, because I would imagine like there are certain orders like you can't put that out there. So, uh-huh. <laughs> what what does like sort of those those notes might look like? And, and I'm saying that from from this perspective. Once you know we we wrap with this conversation and I send it over to my editor, there might be one or two notes in there. I, I sound stupid right here. Make these sound better, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or or make it sound whatever, or maybe add a music note or clean something up. Um, but they're very just like here's a couple bullet points. When you're getting sort of like you're working with the client and you you have sort of uh, do they give you this is the tone that we're looking for here's very specific detailed notes. What does that that sort of look like from your perspective? Yeah, generally, especially if it's uh, corporate creative and the, these big name HBO, um, BBC America, you know they they have a brand style uh, as it is. Uh, so you're kind of working within those parameters. But I've definitely been given the note. Um, you know, we're going to go teasy this time. Um, you know, just just hint at various you're not going to show xyz uh and yeah your notes will come back for for just a variety of um there's often you know multiple layers of of people watching and and personal taste that you're you're navigating your your piece through yeah, I mean, I would imagine like being a fan of movies and then like in, in different like pieces of media, and you're like, huh, oh, this is what y'all want. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> is is there in your career like a project that comes out in, in in like that sticks out for you that was very like influential, like that impacted your growth as as an editor, as a person in the the space, because, you know, it's a very extensive track record. I played on your website a little bit and I was like that, too. So <laughs> is there is there one or, or or a few that come to mind that were particularly challenging or that you're like, OK, this is a really big one. This is where I want to go. Yeah, that uh, that most recent um, feature length documentary that I cut, um, which ended up being called Great White Intersection, uh, was about a um, unfortunately a, a tragic shark accident off the uh, shore of uh, Cape Cod, and um, these uh, filmmakers had taken about three years to interview. I believe it was twenty six or twenty seven people, uh, an hour and a half, two hour long interviews, 
uh, we, we ended up using, I think, 24 of, of the subjects um, to tell this uh, tragic story about and, and the impact on the community. This, this, the surfers were very mad because it was uh, obviously uh, distraught because it was a, a boogie boarder who was a body boarder who was uh, killed by the shark. And then obviously environmentalists are saying these are wild animals. There's not much you can uh, really do. Uh, and I, I knew I wanted to work with these guys when they were basically wanted to treat every single subject with respect and dignity, including the wild animals. Yeah. Um, so we had to we had to shape a uh, uh, you know hour hour and a half hour plus documentary out of this just mountain of uh, material, and um, you know it was a real challenge. It was ba- basically uh, not much story structure heading in. We, we you know uh, I had to find that. We we found it together. And um, it's good, good to, you know, I, I was I was given some authorship to, you know, make the make the skeleton, make the timeline uh, first, and then and then they would have some notes after that. But it was it was a, it was a big undertaking, and uh, I'm proud of the the result. So I'm reading about um, this next question. I have this this note mm-hmm. about um, reaching West dreams of China's oh, new okay. generation, mm-hmm. and it focused on uh, high school students preparing to study abroad. Could you? share a bit about this, the storytelling around that and sort of, you know, uh, uh, what that experience was like. Uh, yeah, that's another very interesting one. I'm proud of that one in that it's a funny, it ended up being a funny documentary. Uh, <laughs> and uh, another um, another producer director went, went to China to uh, uh, shoot on the campus of a school that prepares, um, uh, I guess we call them high school seniors there for uh, applying to and going to uh, like Oxford and Ivy League schools here, uh, and but but you end up seeing that uh, basically teenagers are teenagers anywhere in the world. They they uh, a little bit before the Taylor Swift craze, that one one main character says is thinking about a you know an issue with a boy and says what would Taylor do, um, and of course that that made it in the trailer because <laughs> if, spoiler or not you're gonna hang your hat on that. Um, and and is is in the film. Uh, it was it was very interesting. Uh, that that was a rare one where uh, it had been uh, edited by another editor, and uh, it was just kind of at a sticking point. And I think that editor had to leave. So I I met Jonathan Diamond, the producer and director of that. And um, there there were some points where it wasn't clear, uh, and we 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 could just kind of polish it uh, and make it um, a bit a bit clearer. But that also brought out uh, some of the humor and the, the there's I think four main. Uh, uh, women characters that were that were very young women characters that were that were very interesting and very uh, very funny. That's great. That's great. What what do you enjoy most about like your work? Like you know, I enjoy being able to have conversations with folks like yourself, folks that are much more talented than me, so I can sound more interesting than conversation. I'll reference it like, yeah, I was talking to Chris Guido, right? And the thing about it is, so for you, what is that sort of like? the unique selling points. Like if you're selling your job, if you will, and you're selling your work and pretty much what you've spent, as you, you said, you've been freelance for 15 years. So this is, this is your thing. What is the the unique selling points of it? Like pitch it. Yeah. Especially what I like on the documentary side is, you know, giving some people a voice uh, that don't have it. Um, I think in the Cape Cod situation, you know, there were, there were two or more angry groups that weren't really having a conversation. So our film could kind of be the conversation that wasn't being had on Cape Cod. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they feel that way, but I, I hope they do. And the same with, I mean, I, I'm personally not going to go to China and talk to teenage girls. Uh, but this, this, I think that's what's great about documentary in general is I can just learn 
about somewhere I'm not going to be able to go, people I'm not really going to be able to meet. Personally, I loved your uh, podcast on the sign painter. I would I would not personally have um, have the chance. I'm not going to stop and talk to a sign painter, but it was fascinating when he when he was talking about he can see the flourish on the end of a letter that the guy was kind of the guy or, or girl was kind of feeling it yeah. uh, when they painted the sign. So just just hearing people who you're not going to hear from is just a, a great part of documentary and, and why uh, a big part of why I want to be part of it. Thank you. And, th and thank you for, for checking that out. That was um, a great, great conversation I had with uh, Sean Danner, I believe. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of what a lot of it is about. Like I I find that me and my my, my partner, we watch a fair amount of documentaries together. Um, you know, if someone makes a suggestion and we've we've had a few conversations. They're like, hey, you want to check this documentary out? You'll get it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And and, and generally I do. Um, and I, you know, in the back of my head, I just have this desire to do one because I feel that, that this sort of podcast uh, satisfies multiple things. It's an archive thing. It's storytelling. It's all of that. But also, I think, you know, the way that I see it, it's it's a documentary. It, it's capturing things at a right. certain time with a certain cross-section of folks. And I want to see that to the sort of next stage, you know, like there is a desire and part of it comes from having that conversation. Um, like probably last year, I had a conversation with James Spooner from Afropunk, and I watched his documentary, and I was like, I want to make this. I, I want to make this one, but for my thing. But I want to make this. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I, 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 I'm going to get back to because I want to ask you a little bit about um, NYU. But I'd be remiss if I didn't, as a as a kid of the '90s. Uh, so, really, that Pokemon is in here somewhere. Come on, tell yeah, me. Yeah, this is the hook for the podcast, right? <laughs> former, former, yeah, former editor of Pokemon. Uh, my first job out of school, I uh, applied for and got to be an editor on. Uh, I think that I, I think I started on the second season of Pokemon. They they had just uh, they just knew they were going to come out with a movie, um, and they they needed some help. And uh, I think for I think the first six and a half years of my career, you know, it was it was great to kind of learn to be a professional. And um, I, met, I met some good friends that I'm still friends with. Um, and he, and and was on the ride of uh, <laughs> this this huge thing that ended up with uh, to to the point where kids were stabbing each other over the cards. I, I knew I had to get out when when that happened. So that no, that's, that's I mean that was that was a time. <laughs> and and uh, it's interesting. I mean I, I mean no one when no one would argue that it isn't a twenty minute commercial interrupted by ten more minutes of commercials, but it did seem to make a really big connection with people. Uh, I actually, it was a small enough company that when I had a little downtime, I would actually open the fan mail that we get. And yeah. kids always said, make it so we can catch Pokemon, make it so we can catch Pokemon. I would love to do that. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, they should just have a, a room with like a hologram and let kids. And then I read about that Pokemon Go and I said, this thing is going to be, I was gone by then. I said, this thing is going to be humongous because we, we we were having kids tell us to do that. Yeah. Um, and that, and I still see, um, you know, I still see kids wearing the t-shirts and I see the cards still sell for, I imagine all the kids that are watching my episodes now have some uh, extra cash and can pay for the Charizard card and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, it was a, a 20 minute commercial with, interrupted by 10 minutes of commercials, but I think it did make a personal connection with some people. I think they I think they do still feel connected to it and, and good about it. I mean, I would watch Pokemon. uh <laughs> Before I went to school. So I mean, look, and we me and my brother, we both had like sort of that original run of the cards and things of that nature. Right. We had uh the Game Boy games with I think red yeah. and blue. 
And right. that's, oh, that's you're, cool. you're OG on that. OG, triple OG. And, um, yeah. and, and I go to the conventions, um, the, the sort of pop culture conventions, it's oh. still definitely a big thing. So this is, uh, this is, this is cool. This is not the reason why I, inter- I wanted to interview you, but I, <laughs> that. I was like, again, another one for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I see. Yeah. I see the, the voice directors and stuff still go to the, um, the conventions. Um, yeah. Fans don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's great. So in, in being sort of like, um, you know, a part of that, I at least wanted to just, uh, you know, put this out there and being a part of that, which was a cultural phenomenon. It was everywhere. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's, there either was an episode or there's going to be an episode of like the toys that made us or like, Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they should, if they haven't. Um, like what does that feel like? Would it, would it be something like you would want to be a part of in like a sort of different capacity with this sort of like more experience and more of like a career in, uh, in the industry? Um, you know, I can't take a lot of credit and authorship for that. I mean, it, it came over from Japan and we were kind of, um, you know, whittling it down. And sure. um, uh, I mean, it's great. Like, uh, it, it's great that it, it was so successful and um, it, it was fun. It was it was a fun run. I just I just can't take uh, much, much credit. Um, either the voice actors were, were doing more, the, the directors were doing more. Um, I was kind of nipping and tucking and advising and and really technically like getting 52 episodes a year out the door um more than putting any kind of stamp on the the property so that i mean when you, you mentioned that number right it's still you're, you're still yeah. touching it. you're mentioning that number i mean what would you say is like one of those traits about about you as as an editor or a person working within the industry that really like just like makes you good at what you do like I, I, you know, to, to pad, if you will, I think, cause this is not a question I was in, um, but to pad, if you will, I think like for, for what I'm doing in this spot, being able to talk to a nice cross section of people, I, it's not one note. It's not like I can only talk to visual artists or only talk to black visual artists or whatever. It's like, I can try to talk to a multitude of people and I come with, you know, authentic curiosity and I'm actually very interested in what someone does and how they go about it. And I think a lot of times, you know, not everybody has that. I've I listen to a lot of bad podcasts, so, <laughs> so I, I think having that kind of makes me good at at what I do, at least serviceable. So, so what makes you you good? Because I hear you know, or make you it keeps you interested. I mean, it might be a better way to put it. I think you know, folks have um, some folks have stamina for what they're doing. That's why I mentioned the sort of fifty two, and you're touching it. You know, some people are like ah, that's good. It's like you didn't. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I, um, uh, I think I'm genuinely curious. I mean, that's a cool thing for you that you're, like I said, you're you're talking to um, just a, such a wide swath of people. It's it's a, a really interesting podcast. Um, and then also, just I do genuinely like collaborating. Um, I'm not really a, a type A personality, really hard charging personality. You know, we'll, we'll try uh, the, any idea can be tried. I mean, these things can go so many these things can be cut dozens, if not hundreds of different ways. Um, so it's cool to see where it turns out and, and whose ideas, you know, work. And then even if it doesn't, you've, you've, you've seen something that you've, you've, you've tried something and then you might have to turn around and, and try something else. But it's, it's generally cool to be working with, you know, talented, dedicated people and, and see, um, where, uh, uh, just a, just a pile of footage can end up, um, down the line, whether that's, seasons and seasons of Pokemon turning into some kind of music video, or like I said, uh, like dozens and dozens of hours of, of serious heavy interviews turning into a, 
you know, watchable 90 minute um, documentary. It's, it's just kind of great to see how, how many people are involved and, and um, how we can all, it sound, sounds lame, but how we can all work together to make the best possible story and uh, for, for the audience and the subjects um, yeah. of, of the pieces themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that. I mean, this, this podcast in itself, which I spent a fair amount of time doing, it's very collaborative. I mean, you know, I'm doing this side of things. I got questions, all of that different stuff, but you know, also it's like, it's like it takes two to tango or sometimes multiple people, if it's a sort of a panel setup. and, you know, it's very much a collaborative project. If a person comes in and they don't have the energy or they're just doing it, going through the sort of motions, then it, it falls flat. Or if I'm not kind of where I need to be at, like I didn't properly prepare or I'm feeling under weather or it's just, I, my mic doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's definitely very collaborative, but when those things are in line and we're able to kind of, you know, make, this is going to sound corny, make the magic happen. Right. right. And it, 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 something good comes out of it. And, you know, my job I feel is to try to, you know, help someone, you know, show what they're doing and kind of give them sort of a framework. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of editing that goes into to this other than like cleaning up the audio. It's mostly this was a conversation. This was a conversation about this particular topic. And it's an invitation in many instances for folks to learn more either about the guest or the topic that we're discussing. And in this instance, like film editing. <laughs> so I got I got two more real questions. Because you're okay, gonna, sure. gonna make sure you have the real questions, sure. um, and I'm gonna modify this one. So going going back, thinking through where you've been at over the you know since since NYU, uh, you know talking thinking about like honing your sort of your your skills, you know in editing, your approach to how you go about your your work, you know is there a memory that comes to mind? And you know I have a part B to it, but I at least want to pop off there, mm -hmm. like you know, thinking back, is there you know a cherished memory like from from those college days, those sort of early all right doing this that that pop up? Yeah, I know. Um, well, so if you're interested in the NYU days, um, you know, I, I obviously I think much like yourself, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a writer director, I'm gonna be, and I got on set and didn't really like it. Um, I was you know either either freezing out on the sidewalk or under hot lights and tripping over wires. And then when I was, you know, the quote unquote director, just uh, like I said, I'm not really a type A personality. It was just, it was just tough to make those decisions, uh, you know, right right off the bat, right there on set. Mm -hmm. Editing, I can be washing dishes or walking my dog and thinking about like, have we tried this person, you know, juxtaposed with that person? Um, I, I will think about scenes we haven't tried, and then in the morning, then I, they're ready to go. That that's a little more my speed. And then once I got into the editing room at NYU, literally taping film together because this was uh, 2000, basically like silent films, uh, uh, 1900 style. Uh, I, I really I really love that, like just watching it come together, the one shot to the next shot. Um, it, it was it was awesome. So I was even in the editing room. Uh, and you have to, you know, you're working with a razor blade. My my fingers were all nicked up. I had to tape tape my fingers to, to keep going, and uh, I, I still remember that even when I'm working on computers today. It's like what what it used to take. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember the the bloody thumbs. I guess. <laughs> I mean, that could be the name of the autobiography. It should have been the name of my production company. 
<laughs> and, and, and for for the folks listening, come on, give us the name of the production company. I uh, it's just it's just Skydo Post Production, which is a, a nickname my friends and I gave me on the basketball court in high school. S K Y D O, which helps with the pronunciation issue. I like it. I like it. Um, so here, here's the last one. Um, you know, what would you you know if someone is interested in you know pursuing you know editing, film editing, working in the collaborative nature as it relates to to storytelling, whether it be documentary, whether it be uh, promos, what would you say that that one trait is that you know or that that one piece of advice you would share? Uh, you should definitely be patient. Uh, you should definitely be really open-minded um you you can go into a project thinking it'll it'll look a certain way or feel a certain way and it just doesn't work and you're gonna have to backtrack um you, you can't be too uh dear or precious um yeah, there, there's a there's an interesting phrase that you're you're gonna have to kill your babies at some time i mean sometimes your favorite shot or favorite line is not going to get in there or get in there the way you thought it was going to um so you do have to be you know, you know, flexible and and patient, and uh, at least for me, I think I think that just works better that way than trying to to uh, sh- sh- shove through the ideas you you came in there with. That's good. That's so th- th- there'll be there'll be a lot of trial and error, is is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, as as a person who I was I was cast in a show, the show was popular, and I'm waiting uh, for the episode to pop up. And then my scene was cut and I didn't know. I was like, no, oh, I've gassed this up so much <laughs> on the cutting room floor. Yeah. I'm, uh, the, um, you know, release the, the Rob Lee cut, you know, just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Give <laughs> us the four hour Rob Lee cut. Absolutely. Um, and it's only on film. It's like, look, cut your fingers up, all of the stuff. Uh, so I want to hit you with these rapid fire questions and look, these are going to be easy. They're going to be smooth. Okay. Be okay. My all phone's right. out of power, by the way. Here's the here's the first one. Uh, what is your favorite comfort meal? You know, I, I would imagine I used to edit all of my podcasts, right? At a point, oh, I uh-huh. did five podcasts a week, so I was the only editor. And uh, sometimes, just like, look, I need I need a pizza. I need something. What is your favorite comfort meal? Because you're like you're preoccupied. You're doing this. You're in it. What is the meal you're having? Yeah, a, a big old burrito for me. Um, would I, I still miss Burritoville, but. Um, I, I I would have to say burrito. I could eat Mexican seven times a week. You get it. You get it. Um, is there a production company, like just generally speaking, is there a production company that you really dig? And if so, what character or what movie sticks out from said production company? I, and this comes from a meme. I saw when someone posted uh, the New Line Cinema logo from back in the day. And oh, that's it, you can tell your age by which movie you're you're going with. Me, it was ah. Matrix. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, gosh. I mean, I just love everything A24 does. But is that being... <laughs> no, it's not. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Is there a movie that comes uh, for that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, gosh. Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I just not, I, uh, this sounds so lame. I like everything they do. Um, I'm really blowing this one. No, you're good. Um, I don't even like horror, but I, I do like I do like their horror for some reason. Um, gosh, Midsummer just get me off the hook. But okay, I mean, I, I saw that in theaters. It was it was long, and I was like, is my man is, is my man like 
like getting roasted right now? all right then cool i get it <laughs> blood angel got it <laughs> um this is this is sort of the, the the last like rapid fire one so tell me about like you know it, it has to exist what is like a project you wish you worked on like in the last let's say movies you've seen like the last year for sake of argument oh, okay it's, it's no knock to anyone but it's like oh, oh yeah you. Uh, yeah, um, it's, it's, we, we have to expand it a little bit back. I, I have a 21-month-old daughter, so we're, we're watching less. But um, I loved, um, I, I called him Morgan. Um, it was a, 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 film, a documentary about a jazz musician um, who unfortunately got, got hooked on heroin. And um, he ended up with a, like a um, relationship with like a, a much older woman. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's all like a love letter in New York. It's a beautiful uh, setting in New York. He was a great jazz trumpeter, I believe um and she ended up uh, uh shooting and killing him um and it's a it's a really fascinating uh just just th th their relationship and it is obviously a tragic story about him um and that was the one where i was like man i mean this this has it all for me just uh music uh just uh, high stakes for lack of a better term um you know uh, relationships you don't see very often it, it was it was incredible uh, I, I called him Morgan. That's great. Now I'm going to look this up. So when I, whenever I get the suggestion, I'm going to look it up. And that, yeah, that's, that, that's, his, that's his last name. He, he's Lee Morgan, but she, she called him his last name. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's streaming somewhere. Uh, I, I think I saw it on Netflix, but that, that may have changed by now. I'll check it out. Um, so, so with that, thank you, for one, for coming on and making the time. I'm glad we got this. Um, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners in these final moments uh, where they can check you out, where they can check out your, your website, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, so you can find my uh, reel and resume at chrisguido.net um, and reach out to me. There's a contact on there or uh, just hit me at chris at chrisguido.net. Um, I'm, I'm not on X or whatever they're calling it these days. So I'm, I'm mostly putting stuff there and uh, LinkedIn and such uh and that, that's basically where to find me well thank you um and there you have it folks i want to again thank chris guido for coming on to the podcast and i'm rob lee saying that there's art culture and community in and around your neck of the woods you've just got to look for it mm -hmm.